0: Old testament reading and sermon text is from psalm 119 the first 16 verses this is the longest chapter in the bible and it is a prolonged meditation on why god's word is so vital to us and how important it is to meditate on it for our good for our blessing starting in verse 1 of psalm 119 blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Good
1: morning. Um, We are continuing in in the uh, series on drawing near, and as uh, we started off in Ephesians 4, talking about God's vision for the church, God's vision of a church that's mature and spiritual, spiritually mature, loving one another, unified, and glorifying God. And then George preached last week on drawing near to the Lord through prayer. And did a wonderful job. In fact, I listened to it twice. It was uh, really good and very helpful as I prepared here today. Today, we're going to be talking about, we're actually in the next two weeks. This is a part one on uh, the Word of God. Today, talking more about the authority of the Word of God, and next week, talking more about the power of the Word of God. And um, so, oh, thank you. So, to get us started, I want to read from our uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is uh, the Bible is first as, as far as the, what we follow for doctrine, and then, and then the Westminster Confession of Faith is something we use that as a guide also in, as, in the PCA, uh, Presbyterian Church in America, our denomination. And it says this about the Word of God. It says the authority of the Holy Scripture for which it ought to be believed and obeyed depends not upon the testimony of man or the church. But wholly upon God, who is truth itself, the author, and therefore it, the author thereof, and therefore it is to be received, because it is the Word of God. This is what we believe about the Word of God: that it is God's Word, it is His, and it is authority that we are to submit to. So this is where we're going with this today, and to talk about some of this. But I heard a story recently by, well, I heard a long time ago, and I heard it again, was reminded by R.C. Sproul. As he was speaking, he talks about when he was speaking at a conference on the the authority of Scripture. He was given one of the keynote or the plenary addresses. And when he was finished, he noticed a familiar face in the crowd and was excited to to be reunited with this friend. It was a friend after the conference. They got together, and this was a dear friend from college. And this friend was someone that R.C. Sproul and, and, uh, and he would gather every day for an hour and commit to an hour of Bible study and prayer. And they did this all throughout college. And so they were very excited to see each other. And, and R.C. Sproul talks about, you know, they went out to dinner after the conference and, and started catching up on their family and their jobs and their careers and just where things have been in the last 20 some years. And. After a little while of conversation, the friend says to R.C., he says, R.C., there's something I need to tell you. I no longer believe that the Bible is the infallible, inspired, authoritative word of God. Now, R.C. Sproul was pretty saddened, as you can imagine, to hear this. And he said, is there anything from the faith that you once held, is there anything from the faith that you still hold on to? And he lit up and he said, oh yeah, yes, I I still believe the Christian faith and still believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. R.C. said, well, that's wonderful news, but let me ask you a question. How does Jesus exercise his lordship in your life? And he said, he does that through the church, through the teachings of the church. And R.C. said, okay, which church? And he said, well, the Presbyterian church. And R.C. said, which Presbyterian church? And he, th- this went on to where the friend finally said, well, I think I got a problem. Indeed, he did, because the revelation that we have of Jesus Christ, the way we know of Jesus Christ and his commandments comes strictly through the word of God, through the scriptures. And if we're loose with that, then how can we say that we believe in Jesus and he is our Lord and our Savior when we cannot believe the word that is spoken about him? Unfortunately, though, this friend's way of thinking is pretty common in our culture. And even really in the modern church. It's like he wanted the benefits of knowing God. He wanted the benefits of following Christ, but did not want to submit to God's authority. Did not want to submit to God's Word completely. Jesus spoke about this in Mark 7 when he says to the Pharisees, he says, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites, as it's written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines, teaching as truth, the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. See, these Pharisees, they were submitting to what they thought was right. What what they, they wanted to draw near to God. So it wasn't that they didn't want to draw near to God. They wanted to draw near to God, but they created their own doctrines and their own teachings. They didn't want to submit fully to his authority. And these were things, these teachings and doctrines that they created, these traditions, were things that probably made them feel better about themselves probably draw a little, a little more attention to themselves, something they can handle. So as we continue in this series on drawing near, I think it's good for us to think about and to continue to consider what does it mean to draw near to God. You know, last week we had uh, George preach about drawing, through, drawing near to God through prayer, through prayer and worship, as he talked through 1 Samuel 7. Drawing near is, is a relational thing. It's, it's a, it's a it's drawing near in a relationship, so it's multifaceted. You're drawing near in worship. We're drawing near to him in his, through his truth. And I chose a scripture this week, uh, this Psalm 119, really for two verses that we're going to focus on. And it's verse 2 and verse 10. Verse 2 says, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who keep God's testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. And verse 10 says, "With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments." To seek here in this context is to seek God in true prayer and worship. It's not, you know, there's different ways you can define seeking in this context or or in any context, but in this particular context, this is seeking God through prayer and worship. Seeking this intimate relationship with God. In fact, verse 10 it could say let me not let me not wander from you your commandments and you are almost synonymous your word is you you are truth incarnate the psalmist is saying that to seek god is to know his word to know his truth his authoritative word so to draw near to god for for god's people followers of christ must submit to god's authority and must subject our authority to Him. So there's a submitting of ourselves to Him, and there's also there is submitting to God's authority, but also subjecting our authority, our how we run our lives, subjecting ourselves to Him. So by submitting to God's authority, because, no, because notice we can still draw near without submitting ourselves completely to God. We see this throughout Scripture. We, we went through Hebrews a few months ago, and then throughout Hebrews, we see this theme of drawing near. And, and finally, in verse ten or chapter 10, the author of Hebrews says this. Now, you remember, the Hebrews, they were drawing away from Christ because of fear, because of, of things that were happening, the, the threats of the government, of persecution, of, of death. And they were scared. So it's understandable, but they were pulling away from Christ, and they were going back to the old covenant, the old ways. They were going back to the law, relying on the law for their salvation, for their cleansing. And the author of Hebrews says this in chapter 10, at the very beginning. He says, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities. In other words, since the law is no longer applicable in this sense of sacrifice, since the blood of bulls and goats don't, bring anything anymore because we have Christ. He says, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year make perfect those who draw near. In other words, those, those sacrifices cannot cleanse the person who's drawing near if they're relying on those sacrifices. The key here is that they're still seeking to draw near. They're seeking to draw near in their own way. Christ is too dangerous so we're going to seek to draw near according to the way we knew but he says that will not work that is your own making you're not submitting yourself to Christ's authority another one that's uh, probably the most famous illegal drawing near is is Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 10 when uh, we, we know that is offering strange fire which sounds so mysterious. But they were offering what's called unauthorized fire. Another way to say that, a better way for me anyway, I understand a little better when I hear unauthorized fire. They were going into the temple, they were going into the tabernacle, I'm sorry, into the holy place of God with incense, and they weren't authorized to do it. They were not, at, they were not following God's command. Again, they were drawing near, but they were ignoring God's authoritative command. They were drawing near in disobedience. And they died for it. And some people may have a hard time with that, but God instructs us, God was instructing them how to draw near, how the priest should come into the presence of God. And of course, Jesus, in Matthew 7, he says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who thinks they are drawing near to me will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Verse 22, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then he says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Some of you might have a hard time hearing that, thinking, what did these people do wrong? It sounds like they were doing some pretty good stuff. Casting out demons in his name? Prophesying in his name? I mean, in his name? Reminds me of a young man who who wanted to be a Marine. He loved the Marines. He loved what the Marines did. But he didn't really like some aspects of what the Marines did. He didn't like the basic training. He had problems with some of the the rules of, of, of being a Marine. And so he set out on his own. Got him a nice uniform all the weapons, all the gear. He got the hat, the haircut, said Semper Fi all the time. And then he went out and started defending others. He started helping communities, high crime communities. He'd go in and he would help. Then he started going over to global conflicts and volunteering to be a part of those conflicts to help. He ended up even saving a few lives. He was amazing. And he came back to the States. And he went to the Marine Corps in Washington, D.C. And he told them what he did. They looked on their rolls and they said, we don't know you. We got nothing for you. This man was working so hard to be a Marine. He did a lot of good things. Saved lives. Great marksmen but yet he was not submitting to the authority of the Marines. He was not submitting himself, he was trying to do it on his own, and his works ended up being futile, nothing, rubbish, as far as the Marines were concerned. They had nothing to give him and they owed him nothing because of that work. Submitting our wills and our pride and our authority to God's word as our authority isn't easy. (laughs) It's the only way to draw near. It's the only way to draw near to submit ourselves to God's authority. The problem is, when you start doing that, you will engage in conflict. There will be conflict. When you have God as your ultimate authority, when the Word of God is your authority, you're, going to, you're bound to run into conflict. Think about the, the, the disciples. As they were going out proclaiming the, the gospel... And the government came down on them. And what did they say? Who are we going to obey, God or man? It's not even a question. And they paid for it. They got beat up. But they could not do otherwise but to obey the Father, to obey the Word of God that was their authority. So we see that we're we're drawing near to God through the Word, now Hebrews in chapter 7 kind of clarify this a little bit more. He speaks of the author speaks of in chapter 7 those who draw near to God through Christ. So this isn't us having to rely on getting the Bible all right. Submitting ourselves and being willing for God to lead us and being willing to be chastised by God and recognizing the Bible as our authority. But we're to do that through the living word, the living word of God who is Christ. We must subject our authority to him. We say yes to him and no to our pride, to our stubbornness, to our autonomy. We're so good at being autonomous and we're so desirous of running our own lives, especially now. But yet Jesus, the living word of God, He said, if you want to follow me, if you want to draw near, here's what you do. You come after me, you must take up your cross and deny yourself. You want to draw near, take up your cross and deny yourself. Like on the road to crucifixion. One of the greatest examples of Christ's followers we have of this in the Scriptures is Paul. Paul, who had every reason to boast, as he lays it all out in Philippians 3, every reason to boast and say all of the great... I mean, the, the, the Pharisees would have loved Paul. I mean, they didn't later, but they did at one point before he was a follower of Christ. Because he was of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. He had all the pedigree. He had everything... And yet what he says, after stating all those things in Philippians 3, he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. All of this good stuff, all of this, uh, this position and this prestige, he counts it as loss. Think about things that you have achieved in life. Think about the money you've made. Think about the positions you have, have, have gained. Think about the awards you've gotten. Think about the things that, that brought you attention from others, that made people think a lot of you. Paul saying, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. What would it be like to feel that way? To say, I have everything, everything that's been given to me, every gift, everything that I've achieved. I don't need it because I count it all as a loss, because the one who has gained everything for me is Christ Jesus, and he's the one I need. He's the one I'm pursuing. He's the one who gives me everything I need. And he says, I count those things lost so that I may gain Christ. Christ that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Faith that the God of the universe and his son, Jesus Christ, are able to save us to the uttermost, as the author of Hebrews says. Able to save us completely, regardless of, of where your life has been. And he goes on, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. By subjecting our authority, brothers and sisters, our autonomy, we're killing the idols of the heart. George talked about that last week. In 1 Samuel 7, they're, they're, they're lamenting and praying to God throughout these 20 years, and yet... Samuel told them, you got to get rid of your idols. They were drawing near to God, praying to him, and yet still maintaining their autonomy in some way. Maintaining those idols because they didn't want to submit completely to God. It had to be them submitting completely. Why must we deny ourselves in such a way? Doesn't it sound a little too harsh we really want to draw near to Christ. If we really want to follow Christ, then we follow what he did. And prior to Paul listing his pedigree and the things that he he longs for in pursuing Christ, he says this in Philippians 2. I'm sure many of us know this well, but it's always good to be reminded. When he tells us to have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God... He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, a thing to be taken advantage of, or a thing to take advantage of. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself. The God of the universe, the Son of God, came and humbled himself. And how did he do that? By becoming obedient. He submitted himself to the Father. He submitted himself to the Word of God to the promise of God, becoming obedient. How far? To the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Brothers and sisters, this was just an introduction. Since we have a meeting today where the, the sermon is a little shorter But take time this week to think about how you are submitting your authority to the Word of God, how the authority of the Word of God plays in your life, how much autonomy you are taking on, how much you are are pushing God out because you just don't want it that far. You don't want that much of Him. Take time as you read the scriptures and ask yourself, is this something I'm willing to die for? Is this something I'm willing to give myself for? And ask the Lord to open your heart. Ask the Lord to change you. Ask him to shape your heart to his will. Because we can't do it on our own. It is the power of Christ through his spirit. That's the only way we can be brought to him ultimately as he draws us to himself. So let us draw near to God through Christ, the living word, our great high priest, and let's trust him, and may our God help us to do so. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and for the authority of your word. Lord, help us to understand the freedom that you give us, the liberty that is in your word, the liberty of trusting our entire lives to you and submitting ourselves to your authority. Help us, Jesus. Help us to draw near. And Lord, as a church, as we go through this, these next few months, years, whatever long this process takes, I ask that you would draw us near in spite of all of that, in spite of the wrestlings, in spite of the difficulties, that you would draw us near and that you would make us a church that is glorifying you, that seeks to glorify you, that seeks to love one another, and to be a light in this neighborhood of your gospel. Pray that in Christ's name. Amen.